it's time for Geocache Talk. Whether you are at work, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope you enjoy this show about the great sport of geocaching. If you are watching live on YouTube, you can be part of the adventure tonight in the chat room and participate with others as they watch the show. If you are listening later, please give it a like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so that you can get all of the weekly Geocache Talk goodness. If you have not become a patron of the Geocache Talk Network, what are you waiting for? Patron levels start as low as a bison tube level at $3 a month. To sign up is easy. Simply go to the Geocache Talk website and click on the Become a Patron button or go to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk. Patrons now get the famous blackout coin, invites to special events, and other really great items throughout the year. Become a patron today. Have you subscribed to FTF Magazine yet? FTF Magazine is the number one geocaching magazine available. It is a quarterly magazine that you can be part of. Submit your geocaching milestones and adventures to be published. FTF Magazine is also interactive with puzzles to solve and the hunt to find Spartacus. If you can solve the puzzle or find Spartacus, then you will be entered in to win a special path tag. Every new subscription, you will receive a special swag pack. Subscribing is easy. Just visit FTF's website, ftfgeo.com. Don't miss out and subscribe today. And sponsored by SmashingPennies.net. Get 10% off your order with code GeocacheTalkNetwork. They are perfect <laughs> to put in a geocache. Big thanks to Derek of Baker Six Clan for the graphics and our featured patrons, Electric Water Boy. Wow, he's in the chat room tonight. You can talk to him. Aggie Jedi Master, Antaeus, Joshua the Geocaching Vlogger, Nick at Cashley, One Kind Word, Butterfly Girl, Loon Trackers, the Aussie Geocacher, Terrell 2, and our new patrons, Happy F33T3, TN Duke, returning patron Ravenclaw Tia, Baby Yoda Girl, BNJ Bish, and returning patron Husker Medic. Hey, I got through that, Jesse, without... You did. You probably didn't butcher anybody's name, I don't think. I've done them a while, so I think we're okay. Um, well, welcome. We got um, a uh, co-host from another show who's just part of the team, so he's always welcome, Pathfinder33. Charles, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been a while since I've been on the POS That's right. show. POSS, the plain old, the plain Sunday, old show. Sunday show. That's right. <laughs> but it's great, great to have you. Yeah, give you a uh, got you out of the puzzle jail for a little while. So puzzle, um, puzzle jail. Well, because he's always on puzzle talk. So yeah, I, I got it. I can figure yeah. out that puzzle. That's all right. You you, you can figure that out. <laughs> it's not too hard I've of a puzzle. a puzzle before myself. That's not a puzzle well, you want to work twice. on, right? Um. So. Do we, we, let's do let's okay let's do some news and i don't know if you want to do something i'm gonna i'm, I'm put you on the spot jesse but let's do some news so we are 48 days i'll get the actual way to be prepared Gary. Shows me how prepared I am. <laughs> we're, we're about six weeks 
approximately from uh, Podcast of Hope. That's December 2nd. Make sure you mark on your calendars. Podcast of Hope, our eighth year, and I'm uh, very excited about this year's lineup. We'll do the Cavalcade of Stars show eh, at some point in a couple of weeks. Very excited. Um, already sending out some emails, getting things lined up. But looking forward to um, raising more money for St. Jude. Um, very excited about doing that and helping out. Um, so one thing I do every year, and I, I, I tell you guys about, is that uh, they give us a, a link to a, to the brand, brand.stjude.whatever. So we have a special login to um, – it's a cool, it's a cool website that they've created. It's for people to use their branded material, which makes sense. You, you, they mm -hmm. don't really want you making up stuff. They want you to use their stuff, which is right. great. And they give you access to it. So we're thrilled to do that, you know, to, to use whatever they want us to. But I would, was going through uh, yesterday and um, trying to f find some other videos because we like to do the little short, short verb verbiage type videos during the show mm -hmm. different different stories that they give us they're two or three minutes long they're really cool and dang it jesse again i gotta get out the kleenex and watching these videos it's like as i've told him before it's like i have to watch them like 10 or 20 times so that when i get to podcast of hope i've seen it enough that i'm kind of like can keep right. it together you Take know what i mean shock factor out well just you know, just so I can get through it without becoming a blubbering mess. So um, there's some good videos for this year that I'm, I've, I've included or started to include. So anyway, so there's that. Um, I know you guys just kind of wrapped up some um, some mega weeks. Um, Charles was in Daytona Beach wearing the shirt. He's He's representing tonight. There you go. Point a very cool shirt. They did a good job with that shirt. Yeah. Um, I I really like the kind of retro, the, you yeah. know, the colored collars and, and cuffs on the sleeves. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know that we had, um, I was a part of the planning committee for that mega event. And um, we had a lot of discussions about it, that, but the t-shirts were a hit. Uh, a lot of people really liked them, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that would be, um, we had, uh, one person, uh, Lissa, uh, who's Ryan's wife, she had on kind of yeah. the three quarters, the three quarter sleeve baseball shirt. And a lot mm -hmm. of the, uh, especially the, the ladies that attended the event were like, how do I get one of those? So right. if just, just FYI, if you're, planning on hosting a, a big event and have shirts for it. You know, these with the colored collars and, yeah. and cuffs on them or those like baseball three quarter sleeve V neck mm -hmm. shirts yep. for the ladies or like, I, I, like Jesse's like, wearing. Yeah, yeah, man, those were a hit. They really were. Um, so yeah, good, good job on, uh, you know, whoever, mm -hmm. you know, the, the discussion for that, but, uh, Geocorn Fest was a good event, so very cool. Uh, it it looked like it was as as we would all suspect that the team and you were part of that team did a great job of planning, going through and getting 
you know, extra events. Cause that's the other thing too, is, you know, with you and with, with D and, and D and David and, and the, the different, different members of the team, they really, and this is what I've always talked about. I won't go in too much detail, but just the fact that you can go to any mega, but if you go to a mega that's done by like you and team D and D and, and some of the cash fest folks, you're going to get a fuller experience. I feel because yes, the mega is going to be unbelievable, but the Friday, the Thursday, the Wednesday are so packed and so quality that it's really a week. It really is. And to be honest, I think it blows away a lot of the, the, the standard megas to an extent. I mean, some of them will do it, but, but I think, I, I I think we take you know our our teams take pride in giving people that extra. There's these yeah. extra things we do, you know, kind of like we did with the, um, you know, with the um, with the paddle wheel, if, you know, doing the adventure lab on the paddle wheel, or we did the adventure lab at the at the art museum in one year. And so there's you know y'all did the Daytona B or um, Daytona 500. Yeah, the International Speedway. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, if you're, you know, if you're using that as one of your vacations, and a lot of people do, right, to go to mm-hmm. Vegas, then yeah. you need to throw some other, you know, I'm not, let me change that. I'm not telling people how they need to do their megas, right? It's True. beneficial for a lot of people that are traveling to have more things to do than just the one day. Yeah. And I think it's beneficial to be able to get around town, showcase the town, and if you're using that as like a three or four day vacation, you want extra things to do if you choose to do them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So interesting topic. And I I definitely want Charles on for this and obviously Jesse, but we're going to talk about, and I think that way, (laughs) these two guys, but I think something though is, um, and some people mentioned this week, they're like, well, I don't live near the desert mountains. So, so why do I want to listen? And I think everyone's going to learn. I really, I think everybody's going to learn it because some of the things were, that they're going to talk about tonight really do apply really anywhere. They, they, they aren't always just desert or mountain um, specific. And you're still probably going to visit those places. Even if you don't live there, you're still going to visit them and find caches. So Sure. And you kind of yeah, want to know. Would, we would at least hope, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Point. And so it helps to know what some of the steps are that the the the, the cash owners are going through to kind of help you as well. Because I think that kind of gives you an idea of, okay, they had to go through this. Therefore, I got a better idea of kind of what I'm getting into when I'm trying to find one. So um, show notes, I've got some, some of the wiki pages. Um, we won't really get into those much tonight, but I did want to at least put them in the notes so you have them as a reference point. Um, so <laughs> JLA mountain goat. Yep. You got to sometimes be, yeah. sometimes you got to be. Um, so you guys both have a lot of experience uh, hiding caches and finding caches in the desert and in the mountains. So um where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start with sort of desert caches? You want to start there? Um, yeah, I think one way to start, and I think Charles would be good to start on this with desert, especially because 
we've both been in the mountains a lot. He's been in the desert a lot more than me. So we start with desert. It's a good idea. But I think one thing to think about for like people that don't live there or that travel in cash or they're going to travel and do it. Like I'm not even living in that environment anymore. I'm living in a totally different environment now. Yeah. And like when I first got to this environment, it brought up a good point that like you see this in different areas. I get here and it says typical Florida style cash. Well, I just <laughs> got here and I'm like, dude, I don't live here. I don't know what that means. Um, so, but cash is, and ultimately it means, you know, uh, flat pack stuff down in a, uh, yeah. a palm tree. Yeah. But, um, if you don't know the region, you don't know what to expect in a lot of caches. And I know one thing and we'll, we'll circle back around to it, but like in Colorado, like in Florida, a five terrain cache is one of two things, a, um, kayaking cache mm-hmm. or the lion. So or, there's not a lot of <laughs> options, right? There's not a lot of other things to make it a five, but tree climb, Colorado, the tree climb ain't no five. In, Anyway, well, I'm just saying they're going to label it. It is that. possible. There's some tall trees here, but um, yeah, in Colorado, and he'll talk about some of his caches out there too. But a five terrain really means a five. Terrain. It doesn't just mean climbing up a mountain because that may not be. You might not need special equipment for it. True. They it's a five terrain in Colorado or in Utah or whatever is probably. I don't want to make fun of places like Texas because that's dangerous. But your five terrains, you're lying about too. So. It's different, right? Like you can't expect the same thing. So when you Texas get out, is pretty desert, big, though. I mean, you've yeah, got some mountains. There's some mountains. Some out of those in bushes West are pretty Texas. big in Texas. I, I agree with you. Oh, you're yeah. funny. You have to reach. Be, way be careful, in for Charles. Charles, a, bush. but um, <laughs> be no, careful, Charles. Uh, will back me up. He's he's part Texan, so he he'd back me up. I know. I said it's not good to make fun of Texans because they get all crying <laughs> about it. But I mean, I'm just not um. Next, I'm just going to go ahead and get myself assassinated. I'll make fun of Bucky's too. Why don't I just do that at the same time? Go for it. Why don't you Um, take on Whataburger too? Whataburger, (laughs) HEB. Come on now. Take all those. Bucky's. Those are animals or people? Anyway, it's dangerous. (laughs) He's walking the line. (laughs) No, the point behind all that was. We're talking about different regions tonight, and even with yeah. the mountains, even though they overlap a lot, mountains and deserts overlap in that area a lot. Regionally, not only your hides, but what you should be looking for is very different than yeah. like a Texas or a Florida. Um, and I've hidden more in the desert. I mean, I've found more in the desert than I've hidden. So I, I'm curious to. I'm really curious what I would like to start off with Charles doing the desert. Yeah, part, and then we kind of move what? up to the mountains from there. What is it? What is a T five out in the middle of the desert in Arizona, Charles? What do you think? Is it? What? What? What would that be? Did your horse have a name? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really, unless you're talking about something that's going to be like a significant hike to get to it, um, right? You know, we we do have hikes in the desert. there, there are mountains in the desert, believe yes. it or not. There, there are mountains there are. with no with no trees because um, I have a, a, a geocache uh, out in the greater Phoenix area that's on top of a mountain in the desert. Right. Um, but Kid Peak is tall. Yeah. Historically, you know, generally speaking, uh, it's going to have to be a walk, a, a pretty significant walk because – for whatever reason, the land is, is closed. Um, and, and, um, you know, you can't drive a vehicle. Um, there are lots of power trails down power line roads and whatnot, but, um, 
if you really want to get a terrain five in the desert, you're going to have to walk a significant mm. amount in the desert um, in order for me to really, you know, consider it a, a terrain five, unless you're in some of those areas where, you know, hey, there are, um, you know, it's a significant hike and it's up a mountain in the desert, right? Um, but typically otherwise, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to be hard pressed to get a terrain five or at least get me on board with a lot of terrain fives in the desert. Right. Unless it involves one of those, those two things, right? A significant hike or a significant hike and mountains involved. Because, I mean, there are, you know, uh, you know, seven, eight thousand, nine thousand foot mountains sat between Phoenix and the Mexico border, right? And so, yeah, th there are mountains in the desert. And there are no trees. Uh, there are a lot of right. sparrow cactus, um, but there's no no trees to speak of. So you can have mountains and desert in the same landscape, um, and if you combine mm. those two, given with a um, with a long hike, then you may be able to justify a, a terrain five, but you'll probably be hard pressed to do that, in my opinion. Sure. Mm -hmm. At first, yeah. Through, now, would you say that people would tend to skew towards that because the terrain is so extreme compared to what people are used to? They skew towards that five because, like, oh, it's in the desert. You got to bring water, which you should always bring water. But just for the remoteness of it, do you think people tend for the to show I, people that it's a dangerous area. I think that's why people tend to bump it up to a five a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, legitimate. I, I don't mean like fake. Well, and I'll like, tell you for the for the permanent residents to like Arizona, because um, I lived there for, you know, three years. So short amount of time, but enough to kind of get a feel for things. The permanent residents that live there, nah, they're, they're just like permanent residents in Colorado. They're like, well... Yeah, it's it's in the mountains. You 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 kind of you know. There's no real complaining about this. Um, yeah. They kind of are the same way. Uh, for the snowbirds that come down, um, you know, who are used to living in, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, Ontario, uh, Indiana, and come down to the desert, and they're like, oh my god, right? Yeah, yeah it's a culture is really different, but. Um, for those but, that really live there, if you find somebody who's a permanent resident to Arizona um, or to like where I live here in Southern Utah, and you find somebody who has a Terrain Five cache that's a that's a permanent resident right. for the terrain, um, then prepare accordingly. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, but just just know that they didn't give it a Terrain Five you know, just to, you know, just to give it a, the terrain five, right? Like, uh, um, I found some caches that involved, um, like the Arizona County challenge. And I don't think it's a terrain five. It's a right. difficulty five, but I don't think it's a terrain five, but because in reality, the walk from the parking area to the, um, Arizona County challenge to, the oldest one there, there are a couple Arizona blackout challenges, but, um, mm. 
it was like a mile hike. And, and yeah. most of it was on a, a paved road, you know, past a, there was a no, no parking beyond this spot. So we parked there mm-hmm. and then walked up the hill and then there was a trailhead and you got on a trail and, and the cache was 50 yards off of the trail. And right. so really, no, that's a terrain too. No, no special equipment. Right. That's not, uh, that's not a two in Texas, but it's probably a two. According to the rules, now if we want to be a purist about the rules, most of the caches that are out there that are marked as a five are actually a four point five. Yes, because we talked about yeah. Go ahead. On that on that same thing that Jesse was talking about needing the kayak, hey, water is precious in the desert and and we dam it up and store it. Right. And so you will find, and it it kind of surprised me when I first moved to Phoenix, because we sold our kayaks in Colorado, and I was like, Oh, we're going to Phoenix, there ain't gonna be there's no water there. There's no, since the desert. And then I got there and I was like, oh, we got a lake like 20 minutes outside of town. <laughs> and, kept the kayaks. and Laura was like, we could have kept the kayaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there is, there are lakes, there are dammed up rivers. Um, there are places for you to put kayak caches and there are these really gnarly, um, you know, tops of these, desert peaks that have been flooded so you'll get this just crazy gnarly rock sticking up out of the lake um you know so uh there is so outside of that though uh, it's you're gonna be hard pressed to get a terrain five in a desert because you can pretty much walk to it right so let's let's back up a moment um so i moved to arizona um, King Tut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I moved to Arizona, and uh, I'm gonna want to go hide a cash. What are What are some of the the things I need to know before just driving down a road and traips, traipsing off a, a little trail and just dropping my ammo can? What are when when you think about Arizona, and I know each state is different, and that's Part of what we're talking about tonight is you kind of need to know, but in a general sense, w- when you're in a, whether it be Nevada or wherever there's, you know, there's parts of California that are desert, you know, there's several, there's several parts of the country that have, if we're talking about us, I mean, hope, you yeah. know, hopefully this will translate to wherever you are in the world. If there's desert nearby, what are some things, Charles, that people need to do? to properly place a cache in the desert. And like I said, we'll get to mountains later, but let's just start with desert. Um, all right. So you kind of got to look at the terrain for 365 days a year. Right. And, and I, and I know that we, we, and we'll talk about this in the mountains cause it's kind of more prominent, but for mm-hmm. um, anybody who saw videos that of, Earlier this summer, when there was, um, when the rooftop pool in Vegas dropped into the casino, and you know the strip was flooded and water coming in the front door of these casinos, like it rains in the desert. Right, right. Contrary to popular belief, like it does rain. When it rains, especially during monsoon season, it is a lot of water in a short amount of time, and what looks like a dried up riverbed all of a sudden becomes a raging river 
in a matter of moments. Um, It can happen. So in that, you need to look at the terrain for where you're hiding a cache and say, all right, in monsoon season, is this going to fill up with water? Mm-hmm. Or, or, right. or wash away <laughs> right and so that's the thing like all right you know um a lot of people here in um, phoenix um or in phoenix in arizona a majority of the caches that you're going to find aren't on the ground in the in the desert here they do not put a for the most part they do not put an ammo can on the ground with a pile of rocks on top of it gotcha because that ammo can is going to wash away. If they do put an ammo can on the ground with a pile of rocks, um, it is typically going to be tethered to um, a tree nearby. Uh, most of the caches that we'll find in in and around the area were um, uh, preforms uh, or uh, peel bottles that were um, wire tied to um, a bush, a tree, some type of cactus. Um, they typically weren't just on the ground with a pile of rocks on top of them because during monsoon season, when you have flash floods, all of that stuff goes away. Rocks, everything gets, I mean, you're talking about the the violent rushing of water that can move boulders the size of small houses right like it'll pick up cars and just if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time like it will wash your car and you will find it miles later down you know and so your geocachers are the same way most of them are going to be tethered to some type of um you know tree cactus uh poles that are out there some type of fencing something like that uh, and most of them um, that I found typically, um, if they're down in the lowland area, are not going to be, you know, on the ground covered with a pile of rocks. They're going to be, sure. you know, magnetic caches on, um, you know, s- poles, uh, the telephone power line poles. There's a good mm-hmm. portion of them in Arizona that have been replaced with metal poles because right. the the wood poles will rot in the desert heat. And then uh, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into that, but um, there'll be magnets, you know, magnetized to a metal pole, uh, Mm -hmm. but they're typically not just laying on the ground with a couple of rocks on top of them. Right. Like, like how I like to hide my mountain hides. (laughs) We'll we'll get to, we'll get to that. Yes. Yes. Um, So electric water boy brought up a point um, to, to know about, and this kind of covers some of the southern southwest, I guess, in a sense. Pill bottles survive the desert heat, cold, and the UV, is he he's asking. So they don't survive. <laughs> uh, no, if you're looking at your typical yellow um, pill bottle that you get from the pharmacy when you pick up a, a yeah, pills, prescription. Mm-hmm. those prescription pill bottles, mm-hmm. they're horrible. The plastic right. doesn't survive the heat. Um, I can't tell you how many that were wrapped in duct tape that as you twist the lid off the whole top <laughs> of the part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and really the only thing holding it together is now, um, I will tell you that if you, um, it, some of the, 
like the heavier duty white plastic pill bottles. Yeah. Um, that you'll get garlic pills or whatnot in at mm -hmm. your local pharmacy. Um, those last really well. Uh, it's a right. different type of plastic, obviously. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, preforms, soda preforms, mm -hmm. uh, those yeah. last phenomenally. You know the down part to uh, soda preforms in the desert? What's that? The, the cap. Lid. The cap. Yeah, the cap. Yeah. The cap is garbage. Um, so, <laughs> funny enough, the local reviewer that's there in uh, the greater Phoenix area out in Apache Junction that um, I became really good friends with, um, he has these metal lids that he got oh. that fit the soda preform models. Very and cool. so all of his preforms that you'll find have this metal, a, a white metal lid for it. Um, and he got them, gave us the link to where he got them from off of uh, Amazon, but uh, is a really great option because, um, you know, it's not going to rust shut. Uh, mm -hmm. Though you'll get some tarnish and rust on the, the lids. It's not like having two pieces of metal that will rust together. Um, yeah. I can't tell you the amount of like cookie tins, Christmas mm -hmm. cookie tins that I've come across that you just, you just, I mean, you're sitting there with like screwdriver. Altoids. Altoids. Yeah. Altoid can't. Yeah. Can, Those yeah. are little razor blades once they get all rusted up. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's things like that, right? Think about what, where the environment you're in and you got to think about that environment 365 days because it's not always dry in the desert. Well, right. The, right. And the, you know, Depending on what you're trying to put out, um, it may not be an issue, but um, it, I do re remember the um, the geostash that you found. I don't know if you still, still have the container, but when you found it, tell people what it looked like because people oh, forget. In fact, I, I do have it. It's in, the, it's in my spare bedroom. <laughs> I found it yesterday. We were going through trying to figure out something to do with this. Oh, yeah. back here. Yeah. Um, and we've got a plan to, to get some stuff on the wall, kind of like, cool. um, you've got in the background, but, um, mm -hmm. it was this very light shade of like translucent pink, right? Except on, except on the one <laughs> side, right? Yeah. On the one side, it is a really, cause it was up against a tree branch. It was yeah. tied up into a tree. Yeah. Um, the one side that was up against the tree, super dark red, like, right. <laughs> like, but because it had been exposed to sunlight for so long, yeah. day after day, repeatedly, by the time I found it, um, it was this really ghostly translucent kind of mm -hmm. pink color, um, that red anodized. And we all know, you know, those yeah. bison tubes come deep, um, deep red, really deep red. Nah. So There's one little sliver of it on the one side. Yeah. So that's something that you have to recall, you have to remember. And this sort of, I guess, applies really to all of your containers. The fact that, yes, you know, your, your points about the, 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 the water is, is, is very important, but also the sun is going to beat down mm -hmm. seriously. Yeah. And if you, now, in that case, it didn't really matter. But let's say that you did, 
that the color of your container matters for the final, you know, state it's a stage of your puzzle and it's, and people have to go find your stage one and it has to be, you know, red. And when they get to it, it's like, they don't know what color it is. Cause it's kind of <laughs> it's been washed out by the UV. You're like, well, I can't complete this. So you just have to know that a, your containers have got to be, have got to hold up and B UV is going to destroy. And if you had something written on it, well, f- f- screw it. I mean, it's, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's where you like, you know, something written on it or UV light or anything else. You got to know that the environment can change your cash pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing to that is like the O-rings. So you've got yeah. some lock and locks that have a pliable O-ring. Um, Bison mm-hmm. tubes have a O-ring that um, yep. is exposed on the outer rim. So if you've got anything that's going to be exposed to direct sunlight that is like that, it's going to deteriorate um, yeah. pretty quickly. Ammo cans get away with it because their rubber seal is up on the inside and it never comes into direct contact. Um, but I've found plenty of ammo can lids out on military bases that were separated from the ammo can. Right. And that, that rubber gasket that's in the top has deteriorated and is Mm -hmm. very brittle. So it's not designed to come into contact with UV. That's why the ammo cans designed the way that it is. Just keep that in mind, right? Anything that is not designed to, to be exposed to UV light, um, the desert will, We'll we'll beat it pretty good mm-hmm. in the in the desert. And I know we're gonna get into the mountains in just a minute. It's gonna be the opposite yeah. of this. But if you're going to hide out in the desert right now, what kind of area would you look at? Like, would you try to find something more elevated because of floods? Would you? What areas would you avoid? And like physical, you know, structures out in the area. You know, near a cactus, near a stream bed. You know, what what would you try? To, what do you think is a good place and a bad place? Because, you know, they're going to wash away and stuff. So I'll look for, you know, for the wadis, for the intermittent stream beds. If you're looking around and you can see where it looks like, hey, I'm kind of in a low spot here. uh, That's probably going to fill up any time that there's there's rain there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've only got two, two hides in Arizona. Um, Mm -hmm. Neither one. Uh, one of them's on the ground and one of them's not. So, yeah. Um, but I'll look at that and say, all right, I'm, I take into consideration rainfall. All right. Rain's going to come. Is it going to affect where I'm at? If I place it on the ground, if the answer to that is yes, then I have to do something else to, to do that. Um, my other, so I have an ammo can on the ground in is one of my hides and the other one is the bonus cache to an adventure lab that is a um, bison tube that is hung on a wire inside a, a pole. So cool. I look for stuff like that. And if it looks like there may be a possibility that, you know, it could wash away, then I try to find an elevated spot to hang it from. And that's that's pretty typical. Um, people will hang them in Palo Verde trees. People will hang them in um we've got some little scrub bushes out there yeah. that people like to hide them in so it all just kind of depends but um by far and large the you know some of the geo arts and the big power runs mm-hmm. that you'll find will all be um 
like preforms that are hung in a tree, right. um, you know, and whatnot. So, right. Makes sense. Those preforms uh, really are good. Uh, yeah. Good containers and pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah and, and in right. their, and in their condensed version, the plastic's pretty thick, oh, um, yeah. you know? And so it's, in that right so it's a it's a huge difference between the the preform in its condensed version versus a gallon milk jug in its blown up version right so the plastic depending on how thick it is will will dictate how um how long it weathers um and whatnot so looks like for me i've seen i've rarely seen one of those broken so now the top could mess up, but I've never seen one of those broken. The preforms, right. it's in case usually nobody, the failure point is usually how they attach it to whatever they're attaching it to. That's yeah. usually what the failure point is. So just in case nobody's ever people are like, what oh, the yeah. heck is it? What the heck's a preform? I'll show you real quick. Um, so if they put this into a machine, it can become a soda bottle. But right now, it is really thick. If I get something though smack it with you can kind of hear it's a very very thick plastic and what charles was saying earlier is right charles this is the yeah, this is the this is the weak point yeah it, at least for the ones that i found in the desert that cap right there is is that's going to yeah. be there for six months and then it's either birds are going to peck at it because um it's colorful and they're wanting to because birds are curious animals they're going to pick at it and mm -hmm. it, you know, um, it's some of that softer plastic. It especially if you get some of this from China, they're starting to be uh, a soy-based plastic, so that they'll biodegrade or can be recycled a little easier. And believe mm -hmm. it or not, raccoons can smell that. Uh, right. Chipmunks and squirrels can smell that, and they'll come after it, and start to chew on it. So, oh. um, you know, so if this if part you, good. This part yeah. not so good. <laughs> right. So if you're gonna go that route and you live someplace Solid. like that, um yeah. The the metal lids are the way to go. Yeah, so definitely um you can find we, we need to get measure that, that and find lid. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I was gonna say the same thing you are. We need to find that link and we'll put it in the notes. Yeah, we'll we'll have to find um we'll measure and figure out because that's really yeah. Plastic ammo cans probably well. Charles says no. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's bring, not, the, let's bring the, the three extra dollars and go and get the metal one. Absolutely. It's worth, if you're going to place an ammo can out in the, I've come across plenty where the 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 black plastic latch, because it has a little metal hoop yeah. on it, that metal has gotten hot enough that it has melted the plastic that it's that it's <laughs> cinching tight. So, I mean, you figure that, you know, if you're looking at it's 120, you know, up to 130 degrees in the summertime, you know, we, when I lived in Phoenix, we had like 30 days in a row where the overnight low was a triple digit number. Mm -hmm. Right. right. And, and so yeah, that's big time there. There you have it, you know, so. In that, just just know that, right? Um, yeah. The people who have lived long term in the desert understand some of that stuff. Um, any of, and it's like Owen from KC just said right here, right? So any yeah. any thin plastic's going to become brittle within a year. Yeah. Um, if you've got any of those little, 
And I've seen a lot of the like smaller, like glad um, sandwich oh, containers or yeah. um, a lot of people will think that they're, oh, well, I hide this in North Carolina. It's not an issue, but yeah. that your, your Kirkland or your Sam's club, like giant plastic jug that holds three pounds of, of peanuts or your bridge mm -hmm. bits or whatnot. Won't make it. Uh, they're going to be, they're going to be so brittle that they're going to start to fall apart within, within a mm -hmm. year, within yeah. a year. Easily. Oh yeah. So let's, let's talk about the mountains. Um, let's switch gears and, and talk about hiding. Cause there's some things about hiding in the mountains. A it fascinates me. I've not lived in an area that in both you guys have, um, what are some things that come to mind initially? And I've got some other questions, but what are some things that that come to mind when you think mountain cash? Well, one thing that we haven't talked about, which we could have talked about during the desert, but we didn't bring it up yet, but in the mountains, depending on tree cover and where you're at, hiding the cash and getting good coordinates are going to be one of your big struggles in the mountains. You I mean, you right. may be where you're not getting good service. You know, you're in between two valleys or you're in between or even in like, you know, a Canyon area, mm -hmm. there's areas where it's hard to get good service. It's not going to be perfect. You know, it's way better than it was 20 years ago, but um, it's not going to be perfect by any means. So uh, when you're hiding in the city, it's easy to get coordinates and, you know, you can Google map it. Right. Um, yeah. But one thing, when you get in those really remote areas, I don't know what it's like in the desert because it's, there's no cover. So, and unless you're in the mountains and the desert, but in the mountains, so cell signal can bounce a little bit and that can really throw you off way more than in the city. Elevation matters. Yeah. <laughs> Elevation I, matters a lot. Elevation matters. Like when you're sitting there looking at this dot on the map mm -hmm. and, and your GPS can fluctuate 15 to 20 feet and that 15 to 20 feet involves a thousand foot drop. Yeah. Huge difference. Huge difference. <laughs> right. Um, oh, which way to go too on a hike? If you're, you know, think of multi-stage. Oh yeah. If it's a hundred feet over, you may have to go eight miles around to get to that hundred feet over. It can yeah, make a huge difference, and not that you shouldn't do it, but you should. It just know that that's a serious consideration in the mountains. GPS, the, well, the coordinates. That that's part of it. The two I think that um, for us that are sort of used to the hiding you know, in town, I can usually look on a Google map and confirm, Oh, okay. Here's the tree. It's obvious. It's, but when, but like you said, you can't really, you got to know before you leave because it's harder to try to determine what was I looking at or wh where exactly was I? Cause it all starts to look similar on the side of a mountain because you know, was I on this part of the mountain or was I on this side or. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to share this picture. This is one cool. of, um, this is one of my hides. This is right. in Colorado. Cool. Right. And oh, wow. so you can see the ammo can down here in the bottom corner and that mm -hmm. ammo can lives in that crack. Right. Between yeah. those. Right. And the flat rock that's over on, the the other side of that that crack sits yeah. on top of that ammo can right so right, that ammo can you. that ammo can's not going anywhere 
But if you wanted to <laughs> try to verify these coordinates from Google Earth, yeah. look at the rocks all around it and all of the numerous cracks that are in there. Right. And try to imagine looking straight down at it because that's what right. Google Earth is going to do. Yeah. Um, so in cases like that, I would give you a more of a descriptive hint because obviously if you've hiked that far to get there, <laughs> I want you to find it. Right. Um, and so I'll do just like Owen from KC. I'll give you a descriptive hint that says you're yes. looking for this. You're, you know, it is going to be, you know, uh, you know, that it's an ammo can in a giant crack between two boulders with a flat rock on top of it that is going to be, and I'll give you some description of what you're standing in looking at. So you should be able to pretty closely find what you're looking for, mm -hmm. right? Um, for, for some of my caches. But, you know, that's one of them. And I know that it was um, Burnt Turtles had had said something about this on on the Facebook page. He's like, oh, yeah, the hint is under a rock, literally <laughs> on a mountain that's yeah. covered in rocks. rocks. You know, yeah. and, and, and be like, absolutely, that's that's my hint is it's under a rock. Yeah. But I give you more than that. But yeah. that's one of the things, right? Like you're trying to look at this from, from a bird's eye view down on it to confirm coordinates. Um, you know, and Jesse's right. Like I will, it, when I go and hide remote mountain caches, um, I normally take two GPSs plus my iPhone with me. Right. I will set one GPS on, you know, six inches from the hide one way, Hot, put the other GPS and I'll just leave them there while I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Let and them then, average out. Uh, and then mm -hmm. I will do just like uh, just here, right? Yep. I will do, I will do uh, coordinates from Cashly, right? Yeah. And then I have a second app on my phone that does the same thing. It averages your waypoint um, for where your phone's location is. So mm -hmm. what I'll do is, Average cashly, take a screenshot of it. I'll average the two GPSs. I'll take a picture of those right. with my phone. And then I'll set my phone down and open up the other app and let it run through its right. you know, minute and Checking a half, two minutes of, mm -hmm. of averaging waypoints. And then I'll take a screenshot of it as best I can without moving it before I – and then right. I'll get back, look at all four sets of coordinates. And, and right. if they're within – you know, a meter of each other. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. my hint that I give you is going to be good enough that as long as you get to that spot, you're going to be able to find it. I, yeah. I don't yeah. make outside of the camouflage that I have on that geocache to make it blend in so that other people who are up there don't stumble upon it outside of that, because they're, crazy people in Colorado that like to bag 14 and 13,000 foot peaks for some reason. Right. Well, <laughs> so know, they yeah. go there, they go there for fun, not looking for anything more than to say I was here. At least yeah. geocachers are looking for something. Right. Um, no, in fairness, those <laughs> peak baggers that you're making fun of, they are looking for something just like we are. 
They are. They are. And, and well, on a lot of those. Log. No, there's a summit log up there that they go and sign. Yes. And it gets confused for the geocache a lot. So, and it is like that in Texas. So on top of Guadalupe Peak in yep. Texas, there's a virtual cache there. Yep. There's also an ammo can up there on top of the mountain because I've been there. And I can't tell you the number of geocachers you flip through the book and you're like, I hope they realize that there's a virtual like this is, you know, <laughs> and they're like, but they sign the summit log that's in the ammo yeah. can. And, happens all you the know, time. It happens yeah. all the time. Um, and that's the other thing that I'm, I'm cognizant about is so my remote mountain hides in Colorado and Wyoming that I have, I make sure that they're nowhere near where the summit log says that it's supposed Could to be right. Right. So Streck two said earlier, I want to get you guys a, a opinion on this. He said, um, maybe you should find at least a hundred caches in an area before putting one out. So Absolutely. do you, do you believe that's true for any area or do you think it's, yeah, actually, yes. For any area. Okay. You know, yeah. More important. So if you're, you move to, you know, Wichita, Kansas next week, you're sitting in the middle of the city. You want to hide a cache. You don't need to find a hundred. It's very similar. You need to check the area. But if you're moving to somewhere that has a terrain that's dangerous to people, like mountains and desert, you need to be sure you know what's going on. You know, you don't. Yeah. It's different. It, it is different. You need, you have somebody hike five miles out in the desert, dangerously anyway, and then you've hit a container that won't last three days. You, you've wasted everybody's time. Nobody yeah. wants that. You make, you know, you give people a bad, just a bad experience. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, recently we went to two mega events. So I went to, Mm -hmm. geocoin fest and to go and caching the following weekend and made a like 11 day hoorah trip out mm -hmm. of it uh while i was in florida we drove all the way out to key west but i stopped at this cache because somebody told me said hey so you're gonna drive right past florida's oldest cache on your way and uh he was like hey you need to stop and grab that so we're driving through Florida, me and my wife, and we're like, hey, so... Christmas cash, I think it's called. It is Christmas cash. Uh, we stopped at a Walmart and got some knee-high rubber boots. And we're like, if we never need them, we can stop off and drop them off at a Walmart before we fly home. I used those rubber boots one time. <laughs> it was a great $29 investment because the, the first 300 feet of Christmas cash was shin deep water. Oh, dang. The last 750 Ugh. feet was shin deep water. Dang. Right. And, and not to mention the, the six foot long Eastern diamondback that we found in between those two flitted wet oh. sections. Um, Crud. so it, it, I can't believe you're in that water, I, Charles, that I, I told you the story before you went down there. That I went down there and saw the a twenty eight foot alligator across Dang. the path that had like mountains growing out of the back of it and like it, and you went in that water right after I told you that story. Oh yeah, yeah. What is it's, wrong with you, man? Well, so it's funny because we're walking through there and we get past it and it says there's a sign that says you know don't go in the water that there alligators right and so we're like oh yeah you know 
Yes. Um, so we're walking through this like shin deep water and my wife's like, you know, she's, she's the, Smart. You know, yeah. Cause she's behind me. She's, she's like, you, you know, but she was worried at, about the snake because we came across a huge, uh, rattlesnake. And I was like, well, the water's a good thing because, you know, any of the, none of the venomous snakes really like hanging out in water. They'll go through it, but they don't, it's not like water moccasins that just live in the water. Right. Yeah. Like, rattlesnakes don't like to they just like hang it. out in the water. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it, the last 700 feet, shin deep water. And she was a good 15, 20 feet behind me, but, uh, you know, make sure that I scared away. Would it, but, you know, we came across alligators um, on our caching run out there. Uh, definitely, I, I would say that if I moved from where I'm living currently to Florida, yeah, I need to do a, a lot of caching before I hide one because the terrain is just so foreign and different than what I'm used to yeah. and what I know. Right. Um, and I'll tell you that I did some really obscene things to some palm trees before I really realized what a Florida style hide was. It, it took me, <laughs> Which, it took yeah. me a, a, you know, but you know, it's some pretty obscene things to some trees before you, I realized, Oh, well, it's, it's this. You, you, you have know? violated some of those. Cause if people don't know what they'll, they'll do is they'll take the palm trees and they'll cut. And then the, the cuts, though, make perfect little spots to put caches down in. Of course, other things can live down in there, too, so be careful. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we really have time tonight to talk. You know, you, you work for the Bureau of Land Management. And something that um, I noticed earlier when I was getting some of the notes ready um, tonight, which was um, BLM... Here, what do you want to call it? BLM areas, areas that are managed by the Bureau of Land Management. That I didn't realize. I thought they were going to be under one overarching government. You know, like yeah, I know. <laughs> but tell people a little bit about like if if they do some investigating and they find out that this particular area that they're interested in, in their state is BLM. What they, they don't, they can, they don't have to assume that it's off, off limits, right? They should check. Yeah. So any public land management agency, right. And, and this will, this is going to be a broad overreaching statement that will probably sure. somebody will come back and be like, Oh, that's not right in Maine. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, okay. Uh, but Bureau of Reclamation, Bureau of Land Management, um, U.S. National Forest Service, they are all, even though all of the BLM is the BLM, the BLM is managed by states. And so you may have, BLM Arizona, BLM Utah, BLM Colorado, gotcha. right? And the rules for BLM Colorado may not be the same as the rules for BLM Arizona. Okay. Um, and even within um, BLM Arizona, there is a, a Gila district, there's a Colorado River district, there's mm. an Arizona Strip mm. district. And each one of those districts then get to make their own rules on how they manage the land that they manage. 
Um, the same with the National Forest Service, right? Okay. Uh, you may have a national forest that covers three states or sure. a portion of three states. Um, and you may have two national forests that, that share a common boundary, but one forest over here says these are the rules, and this one over here says these are the rules. And they may not all be the same. So, okay. um, and they may not align with geocaching.com's policies, right? So oh, gotcha. we all we all know that a minimum distance between caches is five hundred feet. Twenty feet. A tenth of a mile, right? Five hundred twenty-eight mm -hmm. feet. Yep. The Chattahoochee National Forest, right, in Georgia says mm -hmm. that the minimum distance between caches inside the Chattahoochee National Forest is one half mile. Oh. So See, they that's have, good to know. They have their own saturation. Right? They have their own saturation limits. Um, whereas the San Juan National Forest in Colorado says we are only going to allow 50 active geocaches in the National Forest. So if you want to hide a cache in the San Juan National Forest, if there are 49 active geocaches in the forest, you're allowed to hide one. But if there are already 50, you have to wait for one to get archived before you can place a new one. The reviewer in Colorado is very on top of that. Yeah. He, he understands the sensitivity that they have for their area. It's um, their rules. Yeah. It's their yeah. rules as the land managers, right? Um, and, and in that, know that every portion of public land, be it something that is managed by the Bureau of Reclamation, the Bureau mm. of Land Management, the state, or yeah, the state, they have to have some type of land use plan, right? Right. Um, the Forest Service calls it a forest plan. Mm -hmm. uh, the BLM uh, has another name for it, but it's all pretty much the same overarching. This is our land management policy. Right. And if it is not in that land management policy that it is forbidden, mm hmm then it not, is allowed by default. Not because the opposite. Right. <laughs> like because that. we didn't specifically say it's it, you can't do it, then you're allowed to do it by default. It is only those things that are specifically outlined as being off limits or prohibited or in limited quantities or at minimum distances, right? And all of that stuff is in the forest plan for the Chattahoochee National Forest or uh, San Juan National Forest, you can find it all online on their websites. Um, and that's a good thing, right? You go to mm. uh, the Chattahoochee National Forest and up in the search bar, up in the top right-hand corner of their website, you just type in geocaching and hit enter. You're going to find the rules for geocaching within the Chattahoochee National Forest. The that's same cool. thing for, um, you know, the Wind River Bighorn Basin District Office in Wyoming if you go there to the BLM there and you search for geocaching on their website, it will pop up the rules that they have for it. And it tells you that they can't be within so far of Native American historical. They can't be within so, you know, and there are blank spots on the map that you're not allowed to have because they're culturally sensitive for mm -hmm for various reasons, right? They have pictographs there. There are dinosaur fossils that were found there. There are, you know, this, this, this. So yeah. they, and they outline all that stuff in their land use policy. Most of it you can find on their website, but if you can't find it on their website and you don't know who to talk to, 
I will tell you exactly who you need to talk to in every single office for any of these public land management agencies. You call the office for the governing body that covers the area that you want to talk, that you're looking at, right? The uh, the Gunnison National Forest. And you said you call them and they answer the phone, Gunnison National Forest. This is so-and-so, how can I help you? And you tell them, I'd like to speak to your outdoor recreation planner, please. Right. That's cool. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the outdoor recreation planner is the person who cool. dictates what gets done recreationally. That's who you need to talk to. And, and sure. that is who you need to talk to. Regardless of whether it's the BOR, the Army Corps of Engineers, the mm -hmm. uh, Forest Service, the, the state forestry people, whoever, whatever public land management agency you're looking for, they almost always, unless the position is vacant, they have a outdoor recreation planner who their entire job is to manage the recreational use in the lot of land that they that they cover and Very that's cool. the person that you need to talk to um and if if you get nothing else out of the rest of this that's the person to call when you have when you have questions they're the person who can answer it and when they sit there and tell you no that's not allowed and you say hey i'd like to see a copy of that policy that's the person who's going to email it to you cool. or email cool. you a link to it because nine times out of ten it's online somewhere you just don't know how to find yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was looking through the Utah, just out of curiosity, was um, looking through the wikis and there are, I guess they're, they're a good guide. I mean, they're not, they're not gospel, but at least it gets you sort of a general idea. Yeah. Um, and they're in the show notes, but they have sort of re regional geocaching policies. I think they're fairly up to date as far as from a geocaching.com perspective, but, because the wikis are written by the reviewers for those right. areas. For yeah. those areas. So right. um, I found it interesting looking, you know, they, you know, national parks are pretty much off limits for the most part. But they do say that you can check with a park manager and maybe, you know, it, and they say if you do get permission, you have to then have them email directly to the um, to the reviewer because they have to really like they're not going to take your word for it. Sorry. You're going to have to get, yeah. but, but I've, somebody, I've had to do that. I've had yeah. to submit a, a copy on a letterhead with the guy's signature on it and a phone number um, to get a cash placed. Um, yeah. You know, there is a traditional cash in Yellowstone national park. So, Interesting. Um, it, you know, so it, it not, it can be done. It yeah. takes it. It takes some work, um, and you've got to you've got to be willing to do the legwork. But um, yeah. and and in that, like the park superintendent has to be on board with it also. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah. and whatnot, right? And, and understand some of this stuff. So um, yeah. know that national parks are sensitive areas, and they are national parks for a reason. We don't want people just, you know, hightailing it across country. You know. Just yeah. you know, for yeah. for a pill bottle at the bottom of a pine tree, right? Don't do like Forrest Finn and just willy nilly hide something somewhere, and then all these people go out and try to find it, and uh, 
you know, yeah. damaged property or, or the, uh, the, the, the photo I used for the, for tonight's show was the monolith that they, whoever put oh, a monolith out in the middle of nowhere. I right when that happened, I sent Charles a note and I go, dude, do you, you see what somebody did? They stuck a monolith in the middle of the desert or not. It was kind of the mountains, I guess. And it's like, what the heck it, are they was, doing? Yeah. It was out near out, outside of Moab, Utah, it, that thing disappeared as soon as it hit the, um, the mm -hmm. internet and, and people realized I, because no lie, it was out there for a hot minute. Let's not mm -hmm. lie about this. Somebody <laughs> went out there and put it and didn't say anything. Right. Somebody stumbled upon it and then was like, Hey, oh, this, the, the, it, it, it hit the internet and it blew up. No, oh, people and, are driving and out there and leaving within, trash. And, oh gosh! Within probably because when you look at Google for the for the coordinates for it, you can see it, and yeah. you can see its shadow out there um, south of south of uh, yeah, right. Moab, Utah. Yeah. Uh, so it had been there long enough for the Google right. satellites mm -hmm. to update right. all the maps. So it had been yeah. out there for a while, but it didn't like once people realized exactly where it was. Yeah. The the Red Rock four wheelers from Moab, Utah went and picked it up. They're like, no, the BLM said it wasn't it allowed. No, yeah. gone. it's, and they went out there and, and, you know, used a winch to pull it over, put it in the back of somebody's Jeep and, and drove back yeah. into town. Uh, it didn't last, you know, probably 48 hours once they realized exactly where it was at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so really important yeah. that we like um you know as as Houston Texas Dave says i mean this really applies everywhere is to always get permission or at least know you need to know ahead of time what your the the location um it's a, it's a bigger deal to, on uh, each state has a has a different sort of way of going at it but still you need to kind of you need to know before you where you go put a cache out somewhere. Yeah. I mean, don't, just, don't give geocaching a bad name by just, Oh, well, I thought this was okay. Really? You, you, you can't assume that it's okay just because you saw, Oh, somebody else did it. Well, their cash may not be any good either. So don't yeah. follow what they did. And you know, really the, the preparation you take to hide a cache in the city should, you know, you should be doing permission and everything else, but you have to like, multiply that when you're taking it out to places that are dangerous like deserts and because kids could go to these too right so deserts and mountains and stuff mm -hmm. it, as much as that's more is is more dangerous than the uh the city you also need to do that much more prep work know what kind yeah. of container make sure you have permission because you don't need to be destroying those natural areas like that either and you bring people to them and there may be a reason why you shouldn't be there that you wouldn't know without the research you have to just kind of multiply that yeah uh so we're, we're getting kind of toward the end. I, I do want to um, sort of the last topic, I guess, and as we start to wrap up, and that is the one that fascinates me um, is uh, one of yours, Charles, which is the, um, correct me on the name, but basically it's the, if you do all the counties in Colorado, it's sort of the finisher's cash. So, yeah, it's the... It's a challenge cache. It's the new Colorado County challenge cache. Gotcha. Is the, is the name of it. Right. So there's some things to know 
Well, what are some things that people need to know when they want to hide something like that? Uh, what are some things that you went through in your checklist of things to, to do to make this, you know, really cool hide? I mean, I know you went through and you're like, okay, placement. Well, what are some things that you went through and, and sort of planned for? And that kind of might translate for others into, you know, if let's say they do live in Idaho or some of the other states, you know, Washington, there's plenty of states out in the West. Well, there's, there's places out East, uh, the Appalachian mountains. I mean, there's, there's plenty of mountains in different parts of, of the U S and of course we have international listeners too. So what are some things that you kind of, as you think through it now, what are some things that you went through to sort of prepare that particular cache? So I talked to the National Forest Service that manages that area and said, hey, this is what I'd like to do. This is where I want to put it. This is what the container is going to be. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a large ammo can. Um, and first got permission to, before I ever looked at anything else, said, you know, this is where I want to put it. And, and they blessed off on it. Um, right. Gotcha. I happened to work in the office, um, the Forest Service and the BLM office there uh, were co-located. So I just got to walk down the hall and talk to the outdoor rec planner for the Forest Service and told them, hey, this is what I want to do. This is where it's going to be. They said, fine. So once that was, once the permission was granted, then I had to get there. Um, that cache is located on top of a 13,500 foot mountain. Right. Um, and it is in a very, very remote part of Colorado. Um, to get there requires you to either have a Jeep, a UTV, or a motorcycle, um, an off road motorcycle, a, a dirty bike. Um, right. To get from the highway, the uh, the 11 and a half miles one way from the highway, or if you go the other way, it's like 14 miles of pretty extreme um, off-road driving to get to the parking spot. And then from the parking spot, <laughs> nice. it is a it is a 500-foot elevation gain over a half a mile hike um, to get there, right? So it, it's a pretty it, – it, it actually is like – uh, 500 feet in the first 300 feet Dang. <laughs> and, and then it's pretty level for for the majority <laughs> of that walk um, uh christmas break cash can i go up there in christmas and do that <laughs> i'm not going to tell you that you can't get it at christmas time i'm going right. to tell you that it's probably going to be covered in feet of snow snowshoes required um, snow snowshoes yeah you'll need a shovel um <laughs> and, and that cache is usually only accessible like the end of June to like the beginning of October. Um, no food or drinks in caches. That's you right. That. You should know yeah. that, Dave. You bring um, your own beer. Bring your own beer to that one. But so once I got up there with this ammo can, I then had to figure out a place to hide it. Um, you know, there's like that other photo of a geocache that I showed there's no real, there's no trees to anchor this to. And so what I did was there is a, a pretty big, pretty big sized boulder. And I had, um, 
a, a shovel and some other, um, an ice pick um, and a crowbar with me. So I've crowbarred and shoveled and moved some rocks and, and broke a piece of this rock out and pulled it out right. um, that just perfectly that ammo can slides into. Um, and so then I slide the ammo can in there and then I lean a rock up in front of it so you can't, right? So now yeah. my hint is it's under a rock. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's nice. under a big rock. But um, so there were a couple of things that I took into consideration. A, it's up on top of a mountain. It does rain there. So I wanted to put it in a place where it's not going to wash away in a right. heavy rainstorm. It's windy up there. So it needs to be protected from wind and rain. And it needs to be protected from, from snow, avalanches. Yeah. Um, it needs to be able to withstand uh, water runoff from springtime melt. So it isn't like you can sort of do like some of my caches in town. I, I can, there's one in town, I can drive by and see it. So you got to prepare like the, that cache you're talking about. You, you aren't just driving by and checking nah. on it. No. no, you're a you're a half mile hike um, on a good day from from the parking spot, um, or at least from the parking coordinates that I give you. You can park wherever you want. Yeah, um, you, I I gave you the absolute closest you could park to it, uh, but you're going to need a four wheel drive vehicle. You'll need a UTV, ATV, motorcycle, um, whatnot. Um, and then I warn you, right? Like if yeah. you're coming and you're, you live in Nebraska. Yeah. Like this is, this is a half mile hike and 500 feet of elevation gain. Yeah. And, and that really wouldn't be too bad except the parking spots at 13,000 feet. Right. Yeah. yeah you got to remember that. <laughs> you know? I, and so in that, right. Know that for when you leave the highway at 8,000 feet mm -hmm. and you get to, the parking coordinates at 13,000 feet, you still yeah. have a walk to get there. Take your time, do it slow, you know, but there's altitude sickness that you have to Absolutely. take into consideration. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Dehydration because you, um, you may suck down a lot more water than you expect. Um, the places there in town do sell flavored oxygen in a, in a little bottle. They do with a face mask on it. So you can stick it up there and get you a shot of Puro too. Yeah. Um, you know, no so joke. I, there, there are things to consider, right? Uh, obviously yeah. geocaches are supposed to be placed so that they can be found year round. And by all means, yep. if you want to go up there in December or January and find it, it's probably going to be 10 or 12 feet of snow on top of right. it easily. Dang. Um, because the parking spot, when they clean it off in June, still has eight or ten feet of snow on it. Oh my god! Um, so, so you can you can get there, um, you know. And the hard part about it is, if it's still covered in snow, is you're not exactly sure where to dig. You've got an idea based off of GPS coordinates, yeah. but you're not, you the hint dig the hint really doesn't help you either because the hint is designed for. Um, you know, for no snow. Now I, I have gone up there every year since I've hidden it and I have mm -hmm. performed owner maintenance. And that is the other side to being able to hide a geocache in these areas. Mm -hmm. so you have to be able to do maintenance on it. So I travel back to Colorado every year. I drive up there and park and I walk my happy honey out there 
to where I have this cash hidden. And, and, and in that, every year for cash maintenance, I take a picture of the ammo can. I take yep. a picture of the rock. I take log a picture book. of all, all of the signatures in the log book. And if your name's mm -hmm. not in it, look, it's a 5-5 five, five cash. I'm deleting your log. If your name's yeah. not in the book, got to yeah. go. Got um, to go. So just know that, right, if you're going to hide one in either a desert area or up in the mountains, that you may need to do cash maintenance more often than you feel like you should have right, to. Right. Um, or you need to be able to say, hey, look, this cash for the most part is not going to be accessible from October to June. Yeah. It's going to be a summertime, a short three, four month window to get to it. Um, you know, and in those three to four months, you as the cash owner need to go out and check on your cash so that mm -hmm. you don't have somebody, you know, like I had some cashers that came down from uh, up north. They came down mm -hmm. from Minnesota, rented a Jeep for a day, which was a, mm -hmm. a $300 plus investment for them. Mm -hmm. Right. They drove up the mountain. Now I do have more than one cash up there at the top. So I try to make it worth your investment and time right. to get up the mountain. Gotcha. Um, and, and they found both of my caches that were up there. But, cool. um, you know, if you don't own the uh, special equipment needed to get there and you have to rent it. Yeah. Right, I, I don't want you to invest that money in a trip to go find my cash. Yeah. And my cash not be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I agree. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, it's important. You know, so I have placed mine in a place where it should survive all weather conditions, right? right? It should be there year after year, unless we have a huge avalanche that 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 moves right. the top end of that mountain. Yeah. Um, and the and the boulders that are up there on top of it, it's underneath a boulder that's you know the size of a house. Right. So it, it's gonna have to be pretty significant to move the the rock that mm -hmm. it's under hey weirder things have happened those awesome, mountains yeah. used, those mountains <laughs> used to not be there you go far enough back in, in yeah it's true so someday it might change so but you know but that's one of the things as a cash owner you need to be able to get up there and perform maintenance especially yeah. if somebody logs a dnf on it right hey we got out here oh, and you're yeah. like no no, there's, they shouldn't have logged a DNF. There's no reason. Yeah. You know, um, I've got multiple caches above 12,000 feet and I've got multiple caches out in the desert. Um, you know, um, you know, but that goes into special, special equipment required. Like I tell you on the cache page, you're going to need this, this, this. Otherwise, not saying that you can't walk to it, but it is sure. a, it is going to be a 12 to 14 mile hike from, 8,000 feet at the highway to 13,500 feet at the top. Right. If you can walk that, I'm giving it a, even if you can walk. Yeah. It's still a terrain five, in my opinion, if you're hiking that. Oh yeah. You know? Cause not you really, everybody. Not you really, <laughs> yeah. You really do need four wheel drive to go to it. So, all right. Yeah. Well, cool. So let's, uh, final thoughts. Guys, um, my final thoughts is great job. Uh, I love hearing about these. I, I want to try to do more caches. And 
plan to do some, I'm going to head kind of your direction um, next May. Um, if not before, Charles, I'm going to head your, out your way to Arizona for the Jew Woodstock 20. It's in Flagstaff. That's yeah. Like a, yeah. It's like a four hour drive from my front door. Right. Um, a little further from me. I but... live in Flagstaff when I was a little kid. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. I've yeah. been to Flagstaff. Love it. I was before I was geocaching. But um, yeah, I encourage everybody to put Jew Woodstock on their uh schedule we'll talk more about g woodstock when it gets a little closer but um great chance to go to arizona and do some caches in, the, in that area you know i'm gonna go through new mexico and um and you know get to arizona but um anyway so um i guess um jesse you want to go go next what are your what are your, some of your final thoughts tonight um i think really the really short version we've already kind of already talked about everything but just know what you're getting into. If you're hiding or finding caches in, in a terrain that's different than your own or an extreme terrain, even if you think you're used to it, right? Um, just know what you're getting into. It's different than finding them under a park bench. Very good. Uh, Charles, thanks for being on tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, – Kind of the same considerations go into both, even though they are completely different um, terrains, um, you know, mountains and deserts. Um, the same considerations need to go into stuff before you hide a cache there, right? Um, right. Take weather environment, year-round weather cycles. Um, is your container appropriate? There are a lot of things that go into this and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. get there. Um you know, find a bunch of geocaches, get some time under your belt there and kind of learn what's what, you know, uh, what containers work, what containers don't before you just go out and throw um, a, a new cache out there that, you know, for whatever reason is, is it, be it, it gets cold up in the mountains or it gets hot in the desert and your containers become brittle. Um, you know, put some work into it and make sure that it is, a cache that if you went out to go find it, you would want to find. Absolutely. Cool. Excellent. Well, thanks. And um, we'll see you all next week. Be interesting. We're going to talk about the caches across America. So that's kind of be kind of an interesting show. Um, Cause there's basically one in every state and uh, I think they're all still up and running. So anyway, mm -hmm. Should be interesting. We're going to talk to uh, Lori Bird. Um, she's a pilot. That's why she goes by Lori Bird. And um, she works on the Caches Across America. So looking forward to that show. And um, everybody have a good week. We'll see you all next time. Good night, everybody. Finds be many and your DNFs be few. May the terrain and difficulty both be less than two. And whatever it is you're looking for, may it find its way to you. And may we all. Meet again.
Folks, we hope you've enjoyed the show tonight. Please email us your comments at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, or Spotify, as well as at the Geocache Talk website. Don't forget to click that subscribe button below and ring that bell notification so that you can see and hear the show on a weekly basis. And tell your friends about the show. Get them involved with us in the chat room. And until next week, don't just talk about geocaching. Go geocaching.